Again. So today's shir is about what happened on Asar Batevis and why is it important. Uh, it's interesting because there is a machlekes in the Gemara why we have a fast on Asar Batevis. Because two things happened on Asar Batevis, both of which were kind of the same thing. And we'll learn about both of them over here in the Psukim. And it's just very interesting why one Tana was Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Shimon Yechai, which one is more important? That's a fascinating thing. Now, what's, before we get into this, we all know that the reason that we have a fast in Asar Batevis is because it was the beginning of the Kharban. And we'll see exactly how it was the beginning of the Kharban. But the truth is, Asar Batevis is kind of unique because there's also two other events that happened in Teves. One happened on Tes Teves and one happened on Ches Teves. Uh, Tes Teves, Ezra HaSeifer passed away and Nehemiah uh, passed away. And on Ches Teves was the day that the Greek king forced 70 of the Zikainim, the Chachamim and Klal Yisrael to, um, to translate the Torah into Greek. And instead of having a three-day fast, which would have been kind of difficult, so they just combined everything into Asar Batavis. That's unique about Asar Batavis. All the other fasts are, you know, one, one reason and that's it. Or different things happened on the same day. But this is combining different days of the month all into one day, which is interesting. What's also interesting about it is because um, the three different things seem don't seem to be related. In other words, Asar Batavis is when the Kharba began. Uh, test Tavis is when Ezra HaSeifer passed away, which is itself an interesting thing because we don't have fast days when Moshe Rabbeinu passed away. We don't have fast days when the other great people of Klai Yisrael passed away. And Ches uh, was when they translated the, the Torah into Greek. So why, why group all these together? So Asar Batavis is an interesting kind of fast. But let's see first what we know about Asar Batavis from Tanakh. And it'll give us a bigger insight in why it's such an important fast. So in Malachim, that's the first source here, Malachim Beis, Parak it's all the way to the end of Sefer Malachim. Sefer Malachim ends with the Kharban Beis and Mikdash. So it says, In the ninth year of his reign, so this refers to the reign of Tzitkiyo HaMalach, who was the king at the time of the Kharban. So at the ninth year of his reign, Bachaydish Asiri, in the tenth month, Ba'asr Lachaydish, so the tenth month is Teves. Basel Chaydish on the 10th day of the month, the Sarbatevis. Ba'anabuchadnezar Malch Babel, who will call Chela. So Nebuchadnezzar came, him and his whole army, Ayushalayim. And they camped around it. And they built a um, siege, siege equipment around it. Doyek is different kinds of siege equipment, whether it means they dug a moat or they built a, a, a hill. They, 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 they set up siege. So the ear now, the Yerushalayim went under siege. Until 11 years. And on the ninth day of that month, which is the Chaydish Av. Here, actually, it's interesting, it doesn't say which month. Just as Batishel Lachaydish, without telling us which month it was. But we know from other sources that it was, um, that it was Chaydish Av. So the hunger became very too powerful in the city. And there was no bread for the nation. So that at that point the defenses fell apart. So they were able to break into the they breach into the city. They they entered the city through 
um, the entrance of Bein HaMesayim between the two walls, because it was also typical to make two walls to, to, to defend the city. One wall was like where the defenders stood, and then there was a space in between the walls, so that even if they breached the first wall, they could still defend the outside wall. So they, they got between the walls. Ashal Gan HaMelech, Ve'kazdim, that's the Babylonians, they surrounded the city, Ve'ilach Derech HaRabah, and they, uh, they went through a different way, a different path called Derech HaRabah into the city. And the whole army of the, of, the ba- of the Babylonians chased the king. So now the king, Tzidkiyomach, managed to escape all the way to Arvis Yerecha, which is quite a distance from Yerushalayim. Yerecha is pretty far from Yerushalayim. But all his protectors, his, uh, ar- his army, his, uh, his, con- his own contingent that protected the king, they had all scattered. They captured the king. They brought him in front of the Nebuchadnezzar, who was in Rivla. And he had strong issues with him, which Chazal explain. We'll get to in a minute. And then they slaughtered his own children in front of his eyes. And they blinded him. And then they, they put him in chains. And he was brought to Babel, and he languished in prison there until Nebuchadnezzar died. So, what do we see here? We see that a couple of interesting things, and one being the most important. When did the siege begin? The siege began in Asar Batebis, but in what year? It began in the ninth year of Tzitkiyo Amal's reign. When did the siege end? When was Yerushalayim finally breached? That was in the eleventh year of his reign. So we're talking Tebes of, let's say, this year till Tebes of next year, following year, Av, that's 30 months. So the siege of Yerushalayim wasn't, we, we're like, we, we tend to think it was like, you know, from Asar B'teves to Shavasar B'tamas, which is six months. It was 30 months. It was a very long siege. And that's going to be very interesting, as we'll see in a minute, when we're trying to understand what was the importance of Asar B'teves. This becomes a very important fact. So the siege began on Asar B'teves and lasted for 30 months and what, uh, just to understand on a practical level, what does a siege mean? A siege was always a waiting game. Because you could have a tremendous army like Nebuchadnezzar, but you have to feed the army. And you have to keep up morale. And you have to keep them going while they're waiting around in a siege. And the, depending on how, long, how strong the city's defenses were and how much food and how much supplies they had, they could outweigh the army. Right? So if they managed to survive long enough then the army would just, it just wouldn't be uh, worthwhile anymore. Like, how worthwhile was, how important was it to get Yerushalayim? At some point, the cost kind of piles up to feed an army of a million people, or whatever it was, hundreds of thousands of people, and it's just not, it's not uh, fiscally responsible anymore, and they would leave. So the length of the siege was very, very relevant. That was the whole, that was what their plan was. The people in Yerushalayim were hoping to outweigh Nebuchadnezzar. Now, we'll see soon that there was even more drama going on over here because the siege was interrupted in the middle. It wasn't straight. It was 30 months, but it wasn't consecutive 30 months. He had to leave in the middle. He was attacked by Mitzrayim. He was attacked by Egypt that was supporting Israel because everybody kind of banded together to try to stop this person who was trying to do world dominion, Nebuchadnezzar. So all the, the neighboring countries kind of got together without too much success. He obliterated all of them. So, we'll see more about that. But first, fact number one, the siege was very long. It was a 30-month siege, two and a half years, starting from Asar Batavis, till Shavasa Batamas, two years later. Now, 
The next thing was that uh, when they finally did access the city, so it says that the king, Tzitkiyo Amalek, escaped, and he got to Yericho. How did he get there? You have an army surrounding a whole city, a huge army. How, how did he get out of the city and get to Yericho? How, how is that even possible? So the Chazal tells the answer is he had an escape tunnel. He had a personal escape tunnel, Tzitkiyo Amalek, that ran underground all the way to Yericho. That was miles and miles and miles of tunnel. And that should have been an a, uh, uh, ironclad escape plan. He should have gotten away. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't want him to get away. So what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did, Chazal say, they had a deer run on top of the tunnel, and a troop of Babylonians wanted to capture the deer. They went hunting, and they wanted to catch the deer. And, and the moment he stepped out of the tunnel, that was when the deer collided with him, and then they caught him. So it was HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this, we, we learned it from a different Pasuk, I forget now which, what it is, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu spreads a net. Uh, if you're meant to get caught, you're going to get caught. You're not going to escape, no matter, no matter what plan you have in place. That was a sad thing, just, you know, when you think of the Holocaust, it was, you know, the Jews that were meant to escape, escaped miraculously, and the Jews that were not meant to escape were captured miraculously. Both ways were Shalakidar Khatava. People had everything going for them that they should escape, they were still found. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't left up to, to chance. So that's what happened. He got caught, and then he was punished by the king. Why did Nebuchadnezzar have such issues with him? I mean, he was an oppressor. No, because Xerchiyo had originally um, had accepted Nebuchadnezzar's rule, and he had sworn to Nebuchadnezzar that he would not rebel. And he broke his, his uh, oath. He broke his oath because he got the Sanhedrin to he got them to annul his, his oath um, and Nebuchadnezzar wasn't pleased with his reasoning, his logic uh, and he, he actually had a very good point Nebuchadnezzar, Tzikyo was actually wrong it was a Chil Hashem and the whole Sanhedrin got punished as a result that's the Chazal Talos, they, they were, it's not mentioned in this Pasuk and different Sukkim, they were, they were punished quite severely by Nebuchadnezzar they were put to death in a, in a, in a cruel way because it was a Chil Hashem because even if there was a halachic basis to annul such an oath, uh, it, it, not in, but not in this context, not in the context when it was made publicly and made in, in the presence of a king, it, that was not justified. So <clears throat> that was, he debriefed him mishpat and he punished him. Interestingly, he did not put him to death, and Tzitkiyo actually outlived Nebuchadnezzar, which was, which was uh, the Navi tells him, Navi tells him that a Kaddish Baruch Hu repaid him for some of the good deeds he did. That he died in peace, even though he was put, his kids were killed in front of him and he was blinded. But the fact that he got to see his oppressor die, and then he was let out of prison and he died in peace, that was a schar of sorts. Okay, so so far we know Asar Batavis was the beginning of the siege. We, knew it, we know it, takes, it took 30 months. Now, let's see a little bit more. In Yecheskel, there are a few Nevi'im that were operating at this time. Yecheskel was one Navi. He was in Bavel, though. Yecheskel had already gone in Golis previously, before this time. Yechezkel had gone in Golis together with Yechania HaMelech, some 11 years earlier. So he was in Bavel. Yirmiyahu HaNavi was the Navi that was in Eretz Yisrael. So there was a Navi Yechezkel in Bavel, and a Navi Yirmiyahu in Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim. So Yechezkel says like this, he's in Bavel, and this is taking place in Eretz Yisrael, right? So it's far away. It's a, it's, it's a, a significant trip. So Hashem addressed Yechezkel, Bashan HaChiyas. In the ninth year, in the tenth month, Teves, saying, Ben Adam, Yechezkel is one, 
is unique, that he's always addressed as Ben Adam in, uh, when Hashem talks to him. None of the other Nevi'im are. There's an interesting reason why. The reason is, is because Yechezkel is the one who witnessed the Maiser Merkava. So he witnessed the whole uh, entourage, so to speak, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Malachim, the Ifanim, the group, everything we know about, most, most of what we know about the Malachim comes from those Pesukim over there in Yechezkel. Uh, so, th- as a result, throughout uh, his Nevu, he's referred to as Ben Adam, so that he should not be too hori, shouldn't be overcome with gaiva. He should realize he's a human. Interesting Rashi says, for one of the first Rashi's in Yechezkel. So, Ben Adam, write down the name of this day. That's Etzem Hayoyim Hadzeh, this specific day. And uh, this is a very important fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu stressed that something's very specific about the day of Asara You have to write it down. Samach Melech Babel Yerushalayim. Melech Babel surrounded Yerushalayim. Be'etzam Eyele. Repeat it again on this specific day. Umeshoyel al Beis Hameri. And give a mashal to the... Beis Hameri means Klai Yisrael who are being... Um, they're being rebellious. Marshall, tell them uh, this, this Marshall's parable. Put the pot up. Put it up on the fire and pour in water. Gather the pieces of meat into it. Every good cut of meat. Yarech. Um, the, the, the hip, the kosef, and the shoulder. The best choices of, cu- of cuts, fill it up. Take the best sheep, and put the wood under it. Cook it up. And the Pasuk continues to, go, to say that the fire will burn and burn out everything inside it. And the Rashi explains, little Mepharshim explained, that Klal Yisrael had a lot of faith in the walls of Yerushalayim. They thought that they would win this waiting game. They thought they would be able to survive. And we see, we don't know about the first base of Mikdash, but in the second base of Mikdash, it's very clearly spelled out that Klai Yisrael had plenty of supplies. They were very, very wealthy. And they had enough to survive. And by the second base of Mikdash, they had enough to survive 21 years in under siege. Now, 21 years under siege to fill a whole city, to feed a whole city is a mind-boggling amount of food. And they had enough. That means 21, there's no, no army that can stand 21 years of a siege. It would never have happened. So they were very confident. So they weren't very scared when the siege was laid. And as a result, no one was listening to the Nevi'im. There were also Nevi'i HaSheker who were saying, don't worry, we'll win, we'll, we'll trump, and we'll, we'll triumph, and, and they'll, they'll leave and they'll scatter from us. So they had this confusion of the Nevi'i HaSheker talking, and no one was really taking it to heart because they thought, no big deal. We've, seen, we've done this and we've done this before. We'll, we'll, we'll get through it. And that's what Hashem was giving them a mashal. You put f- a food on the fire, you think that the pot will protect the food and it'll cook and it'll, it'll just get better. But Hashem ends the mashal with saying that's not what's going to happen over here. The pot is not going to success, successfully protect the water and the meat. It's going to get burnt and then there will be no differentiation between how good a piece of meat it is or how bad a piece of meat it is. It's going to be scattered all over the place. Everybody will just take it which was a reference to what happened once they got captured. They didn't care if you were a nobleman. They didn't care if you were a slave. They took everybody into Gauls equally. So then, the, I'm skipping. That's what I just said. And then, Pasi Chafei, it says, ben Adam, and you ben Adam, the day that I take away from them, their strength, tefartam, the, thing that, that, the, the, the beautiful thing that makes them happy, which is talking about the Beis HaMikdash, as Mahmed and Nehem, what's the, the, the apple of their eyes, as Masa Nafsham, Bnei Nehem, and everything that they've get, gotten in their lives and their children and their daughters, on that day, the person who escapes the destruction of Islam is going to be someone who escapes, a single person, 
who escapes the destruction of Shalayim, and he's going to tell everybody what happened, the whole process of the siege and all that. And by Yomahu you pasach picha, and that day you'll open your mouth. As Apollot, the Paul will open your mouth with Sadaber, you'll speak and you won't be silent anymore. Which means that the whole the whole extent of time of the siege from when Yechaskel got this Navi till this Paulot showed up, he didn't talk. Yechaskel was silent for more than two years, for two and a half years, almost three years, actually. He was silent for three years, as Shem commanded him to do. The Nevi'im had to actually do some kind of very difficult things. If you, um, like Yechaskel had to eat um, bread mixed with rocks for years, <laughs> uh, just to make to bring the point uh, across to Kali because no one was listening. And he didn't speak to Kali for three, these three years, because Hashem said, no one's going to listen to you. And that's what you're demonstrating today. I'm not talking to you because no one's going to listen. And only when they get the message that Yushalayim was destroyed, when this pilot comes, and then they see that it actually happened. It's true. And Yechazkel's original Navi, when Yechazkel said, Etzema mark down this day, this is when it happened. And then it was, he was, he was, um, it, it, it became clarified when this pilot came. That's when everybody said, oh my gosh, he was right all along, all along. And we were wrong all this time. Then you can open your mouth and start talking. Then they're going to be ready to hear. In other words, it was only the Kharban based on Mikdash that people were ready to start, that, that, that shook up people enough that they're ready to start listening and start changing. <coughs> so, and this will be a, a message to them, and they'll know that I'm Hashem. Okay. So now this fact that it says, actually has a halachic significance. The Avudraham, one of the Rishonim, he writes, that Asar B'tavis is different than any other, any other fast. We know if any other fast falls out on Shabbos, like Shabbos B'tavis, Tish we push it off to Sunday. He says, would Asar B'tavis fall out on Shabbos? You would fast on Shabbos. You would fast on Shabbos because it says, it has to be kept on the day. The other fasts are more about the month. So Tish it's the month that's really the, the problem. And the ninth day is when we do it, we could do it on the 10th too, if it's Shabbos. Other months, same thing. Tzayim uh, Gedalia actually happened on Rosh Hashanah but we just push it off a day by definition because we don't want to fast on Rosh Hashanah um, and, and Shabbat Shabbat the same thing it gets pushed off but Asar B'tavis would, if it would fall out on Shabbos now it doesn't fall out on Shabbos because we've arranged our calendars that this shouldn't happen but it does fall out on Friday no other fast falls out on Friday and Asar B'tavis does fall out on Friday and we do fast on Friday which is unusual so, so it's because of this concept of etzamayim is and many. This is brought down to the Beis and it's very strange. They try to understand it. What what is the significance of the fact that it's etzamayim is What's so special about that day? What, why was it such a powerful day? So we'll see. <clears throat> so now the second part, though, is that there is going to be the end of this nevuah was that there's going to be a pullet. There's going to be someone that's going to inform the whole Golas Bavel of the Charm Beis HaMikdash. So that's in Paraklamet Gimel. Yechezkel Paraklamet Gimel. He b'shteyas reishana, in the twelfth year, right? So this is the year following the Charbon. The year following. The Charbon took place in the eleventh year of, of Tzidkiyo HaMelech. This is the next year. He b'shteyas reishana, ba'asiri, again in the in Teves, ba'chamishul uchaydish. But this happened on Hey Teves, not Asar B'Teves, Hey Teves, which was uh, Friday, I believe. Uh, then this pilot showed up. Lemar, the, the, the city was was uh, captured. And Hashem had had told me the night before the pilot came. 
he opened my mouth, and then I was able to talk and I wasn't quiet anymore. So the pallet showed up on Hey Teves. Now, just from a practical vantage point, it's a little hard to understand why it took so long. Bavel is not that far away from Eretz Yisrael. It's, um, it's miles, but it's, you know, even if you travel by foot, it's seven days, eight days, nine days, a month, maybe under bad conditions. This was many months later. This was five months later. Why did it take five months for them to get the message? I don't know. I don't know the answer for that. I, I've seen people talk about it. I don't know exactly what the answer is. But for some reason, it took five months till the news got to Bavel from Yerushalayim that Yerushalayim had been captured and, ha- and they got the news on Hamisha Betevis. And now is a machoikis between Yerushim and Yerushim and Rebekiva. Rebekiva says, we keep Asar Betevis as the fast. And Rebshim and says, no, we keep Hamisha Betevis as the fast because that's when they heard the news. And Rebshim and says, my approach makes more sense than Rebekiva's approach. We should be keeping the day we found out, not the day that it happened. That's a machlag. Now, obviously, we don't pass in like Rebshim and we pass in like Rabbi Akiva, which is that we keep Asar Betevis. But both these dates had huge significance. And again, it's a, a fascinating thing about Asar Betevis that you would think, why is it important the day that they heard about it? It should be more important the day that it happened. But now when you read a little bit in Yitzchakal, the day that they heard was the day that some change started to happen in Klai Yisrael. That was the day that the Chorban actually had an effect on them. Till then, they were saying, we're going to win, it's not going to happen. The Nebuchadnezzar Shekhar were convincing them it's not going to happen. They had no, um, they had no motivation to change. Yitzchakal wasn't even allowed to talk because there was no one to talk to. And now he was able to start talking and say all the nevuah that he said to Musa to encourage Klai Israel to do tshuva. So the day that they found out, maybe wasn't the day as important as the day of the Harbin itself, but it had that importance that the Harbin actually did something. It accomplished what it was meant to accomplish, was that people should start taking it to heart and do something about it. Okay, so now let's, now let's see a little bit more about the importance of the day of, uh, of Asar B'Tevis. So Medrash and Chum and says like this, Kajaborhu did a tremendous um, a kindness with Kai Israel Ketzad. The whole the whole attack of Nebuchadnezzar was supposed to be a one day affair. He would have laid siege on Asar Batavis, and he would have breached the wall on Asar Batavis, and he would have burnt out the base of Mikdash on Asar Batavis. It would have all happened and it was meant to happen which means that Klai Yisrael had already done enough Averis to justify it happening. Klai Yisrael had already sinned enough. They were already beyond hope, beyond help. And, you know, with no... No... Um, <laughs> beyond any... Uh, any... Any... any, any Possibility of redemption, all on Asar B'tavis. But Hashem didn't do it. Why? And how do we know that that was the day? So that means that the reason why Kaddish Baruch was making such a stress on the day of Asar B'tavis is because Asar B'tavis had everything in it. It had Shivas B'tamas, it had Tisha B'av, everything was already potentially in Asar B'tavis. Everything was meant to happen on that day. That's why that day was so powerful. But, if they're going to go into Golos now, it's freezing, it's the middle of the winter, they're going to die from the cold. And that was more than they deserved. So he waited, and he put them into a Golos only in the summer. But wait, it wasn't that summer, it was two and a half years later. 
So that means once HaKadosh Baruch Hu pushed it off, then Klai Yisrael had another chance. And they actually did merit for it to take longer. They did merit, uh, they, had, they had the merit that it should, there should be some deciding going on, should the Kharban happen. So Asar has changed from the day of total destruction, the day of no hope, no redemption, no nothing, everything to fall apart, to a day where the opposite happened. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, well, let's have some kindness on Klai Yisrael, with Klai Yisrael, let's give them a chance. And they actually got a chance. And it was given to them, and they, things were reconsidered. They, obviously, for enough to last for two and a half years. We'll see some more about that. So much so, let's see what happens here in Yermio. In Yermio, which also was happening during the siege. This was a, a Nevuot Yermio. Nebuchadnezzar and his whole army, and all the, the nations that were under his control. So he didn't just come himself. He brought everybody. Everybody who wanted it, who had a, who had a beef with Kali Yisrael were taking part of this siege. And they, they also laid siege to all the cities of Yehuda. Go to Tzitkyo and tell him, I'm putting the city in the hands of Melch Bavel, and he's going to burn it in fire. So he was notified that this is the end. Don't think you're getting, you're getting out of this alive. It's not happening. Then, a few psukim later, so Yermia Navi went true to his mission and told Tzidkiyo all this. And the army of Malach Babel were laying siege and fighting with all the other cities that remained. And now a fascinating thing happened. Tzidkiyo started doing tshuva. And the first step in tshuva he did, we're about to see. So took this to heart, and he gathered all the, the noblemen and all the powerful people in Yerushalayim, and he made a bris with them, made a covenant with them. That they should set their slaves free. Now they had Jewish slaves, they had Ebed Ivris. Ebed Ivris, the rule is that you can keep an Ebed someone who sold himself to you because he owed you money, he sold, maybe he stole from you, all the different situations where someone would be obligated to sell themselves in order to make up for... Uh, for debt, uh, but you had to set him free. After six years, you had to set him free, or when Yevul came, you had to set him free. And they weren't doing it. Once they took these people at the, as their slaves, they were holding on to them. They were effectively stealing them. They were effectively forcing them to work against their will. And this was a big issue. This was a big chait. So he gathered them all together and said, let's, 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 let's uh, make a covenant. We're going to set them free. A person should send his slave free, and his maidservant, woman, they should be let free. We shouldn't have one Jew working another Jew as a slave. And all the noblemen listened, and the whole nation who came into this covenant, free. They shouldn't work on them, make them work anymore. They listened, and they sent them. But by a shuvu acher came, but then they they, uh, they 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 reconsidered, and they regretted it. By a shuvu acher came, by a shivu as havadim as hashvachos, and they took them back. They re, they recaptured them, the all the slaves and the and shivchos as hashalchu chashim they had sent free by yichbushum la havadim, and they forced them to be slaves and to be shvachos, and that 
that sealed their fate. So there's a bunch of psukim, uh, Hashem describes how bad it is, and then it says, You didn't listen to me to send these people free, your brothers and your friends. I'm going to set free all the, 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 all the, the, the terrible things that happened in a siege, the sword, um, the famine, and the... Uh, and the, the disease. And what happens to you will cause everybody to tremble. And I'll put Sirkyo and his, his noblemen in the hands of their enemies. We had and those who want to kill them. Who had just left the siege. So at this point, the siege had begun. And then it stopped because Kal Yisrael did tshuva. They had actually accomplished, something had been accomplished with the, chi- the siege. They did tshuva, they sent away their slaves, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu made Mitzrayim attack Babel, and Babel left the siege. So it, it, there was a chance. There was a, a, an actual redemption that took place. But then they went and they, they reneged on their agreement, on this covenant, and they regretted the fact that they did tshuva. And they undid the effect of their tshuva. They took, they took back the slaves. I'm going to send them straight back. And they're going to, to war, go to war. And they're going to capture it. And they'll burn it. So this you see very clearly, in a very real way, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did a kindness with Kali Yisrael. He didn't allow it to happen in one shot. So it was spread out. So even though Asar Batevis had all the potential of being a fully destructive day, it was pushed off. Once it was pushed off, Kali Yisrael had a chance. They did tshuva. They did tshuva. The siege actually stopped for a little bit. And then as soon as they fell back into the trap, the siege came back and eventually it fell apart. <coughs> so the, the Gemara says in, in, in uh, Rosh Hashanah that there were Eser Goliath, Golah HaShechina. There's a Shechina. When the Shechina left the base of Mekdash, didn't leave him one shot. It went from the Kedush HaKadoshim to the Mizbech, and from Mizbech to the roof, and from the roof to the doorstep. It's like different levels of how the Shechina... And the last place it went, it was to Midbar. It left Yerushalayim, and it went to the Midbar Yehuda, to the desert surrounding Yerushalayim. And it stayed there, Amr Rabbi Yechanan, Shisha Chadashim, Nisakva Shechina Yisrael, Midbar Shem Yachzor B'Tshuva. The Shechina stood in that Midbar for six months to see if there's a chance that they'll do Tshuva. Now the Shechina leaving... Um, the Shechina leaving totally was the real disruption. The Marsha is going to explain, other storm explained that as long as the Shechina was in the base of Mikdash, it was in Yerushalayim, uh, uh, the, uh, there's a song, Yerushalayim Haram Savullah, Vashem Savullah Amay. And that means the same way that the, hit the mountains around Yerushalayim protect Yerushalayim, they were a very defensible position. HaKadosh Baruch Hu protected Jerusalem. While the Shekhinah was in Jerusalem, there was no way any enemy could, uh, could penetrate. There was no way any enemy could capture it and overcome the city. It was the Shekhinah leaving that made it possible for Nebuchadnezzar to attack the city. So the carbon began, or the real potential for carbon, was all contained in the Shekhinah leaving Jerusalem. So it left the Beis HaMikdash, and then it left Jerusalem, and it, then it camped out in the Midbar to see before it went to Shemayim, so to speak. Maybe Klai Yisrael will do tshuva, and it will do it for six months. So the Marashah writes, Hani vav chadashem enem mefurish b'shem makam ma'aninu. It's not clear what these six months are. V'nir lefarash demiyoyim shesamach melech babel arishalayim, starting from the day that melech babel encamped around Yerushalayim, hainu me'asar b'tevis, ad tes b'tevis, this was a, um, 
Shavasa b'Tamas shenivka here until the 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 seventeenth day of Tamas that he broke into the city. Heim v'al Chadashim. That's fixed six months. Now we know it was more than six months. It was thirty months. But in the year, it's six months. So v'yaisen v'al Chadashim herchika hashchina atzma meir ad lemidbar. And in those six months, the shchina distanced itself from the city to the. Desert, and it's Akfa Sham, Shami Yachsru Bechuva, because maybe they'll do Chuva. Okushalai Chazru Baisen Vav Chadashim Atas Betamas, also Ashkinav Yashbam Kaim, that's when Ashkinav departed totally. So, what's important to understand is like this that, that when uh, there, any one of the Tainasim that we have are a, a carbon, they're not a beginning of a carbon, they're a full carbon within themselves. We have a fast because something was destroyed on that day. When, you, when Nebuchadnezzar encamped around um, Yerushalayim, as we learned, that day was essentially the full day of the destruction. Now, Baruch had Rachmanis, he pushed it off, we did tshuva, we stopped doing tshuva, came back, there was, there was some drama that played out. But essentially, the full potential of Harbor was on that day, and now we understand the full potential of Harbor was on that day because that's exactly when the Shekhinah departed Yerushalayim. Once the Shekhinah departed Yerushalayim, then it was over for Yerushalayim. Yerushalaym had no protection anymore. Now, there's, now the Shekhinah hung out in the desert to see what would happen. And then by Shavasa Batam, the Shekhinah left totally. Once the Shekhinah left totally, there was no hope anymore. And that's why Shavasa Batam is also a day of Harbin. It wasn't just a day when he broke into Yerushalayim, it was a day that the Shekhinah departed totally. It was a full blown Harbin. Tishabav is actually the least of all the Harbanis. It was just when things kind of played out, what was all potentially going to happen anyway. The first element of carbon is when the Shekhinah left Yerushalayim. That happened on Asar B'Tevis. And that, essentially that was enough to make everything fall apart on one day. Kosh gave us a chance. The Shekhinah hung around. Shekhinah was all over. Now that happened six months later. It happened actually 30 months later. Things got drawn out. And there was a chance. But then on Shekhinah was the total, total destruction. Meaning the destruction of our connection to the Shekhinah. And that's why it's also a fast day. Again, not just to commemorate a step in the carbon. It's to commemorating a full carbon. That was the full carbon. When the Shekhinah totally left, that was a full carbon. And then Tisha B'av, we, we commemorate the physical destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, which again was of the least of these three, essentially. Now take a look what the Chassam Seifer says, and this is a scary thing. Sorry? So, yeah, you mean, why isn't it observed differently? Right, right. Uh, so, it's a good question. It's a good question. But in, in things that are physical, we do, the, the physical, come, you know, works together with the physical. So, the Chassam Seifer says as follows. Hatam shekavu tainis alhamatzer. He's also coming to explain why is it that there's so much emphasis on the specific day of Asar B'tevis, etzem hayem azeh, like we saw in the Abraham, that it has to be that day. He says, Hatam shekavu tainis alhamatzer. The reason why they made a tainis for the siege who haloy hoisi Yerushalayim kam upon b'matzer? Yerushalayim was put under siege many times. Rakatam who demasha hoisa ha'ir b'tirdes ha'matzer steishanu mumechta. The reason why the city was under siege for two and a half years zemachmas shebeoisa yoyim samach melech bavel lamata Yerushalayim on that day that melech bavel laid siege on Yerushalayim down here k'moykein yashvu bezdin shalmaila. That's when the bezdin shalmaila sat down and convened. Kaddish Baruch gave us more time. They made a new yeshiva's bezdin. They made a new decision. When will, when will Yerushalayim be destroyed? There were people that were uh, the, the, on the right that were promoting Yerushalayim and Masmilim, and they're on the left that were arguing for the destruction. And it took two and a half years that obviously there was things going on in the world. People were doing Averis. They were doing Tshuva. Then the left <coughs> overcame the Nechav Habayis. 
Now he says like this: Ain Luchashana. We know there's no year. She ain't kelalas amruba mechaverta that each year gets worse than the next. V'chal darshal enivna biyama beis hamikdash kilu nachra biyama. And every generation that the beis hamikdash isn't built is as if it was destroyed. Nimsa she b'chal shana v'shana mischadish carbon chadish. That means every year there's a new carbon taking place. But the base of Mikdash is not being built, it's being destroyed. So that means that in every year, that the day of Asar B'tevis arrives, that we know in the time of the Kharban Beis Mikdash, that's when the Bezdin was convened to decide should the Kharban happen. Every year on Asar B'tevis, the Bezdin Shal is convened. They decide, should the Beis HaMikdash be built this year? Or should it not be built this year? It starts on Asar B'tevis. That's when the, so that is when every single year the Beis HaMikdash sits on this. It's a Kabbalah Sefer. That on something that happened already, we don't fast on Shabbos. Let's say someone has a scary dream and he wants to fast, so to, to atone for it so that it shouldn't happen, you're allowed to fast for that on Shabbos. You're allowed to fast on Shabbos. Why? Because that gives you an oinig, that gives you pleasure to know that you're doing something about a tzara that's about to happen, you're doing something to protect yourself, so it's equivalent to the oinig of eating. It's more gishmak for you to fast, so to be able to, to avert that decree than to, than to eat. That you're allowed to fast for. To stop the sorrow that's happening. That's only because of the past fact that the base of Mikdash was destroyed. That won't be Deich Shabbos. We have the ability when we fast on the Sarah B'Tavis to avert the decree for this coming year. Tisha B'Av is too late already. Once the Tisha B'Av, it's already been decreed. It's already been fi- finished. It's been settled. The, the Bezit Shlomayla has already passed the decree. The left has won. And this year is going to be a year of destruction as last year was and as the previous year was. But Ansar B'Tavis is still up in the air. It's still in the future. It can still be decided. That's why we fast, even if it's on Shabbos, because of something, we're, we're fasting in order to accomplish something. We're fasting in order to try to sway the decision of the, of the Bezin Shalmayla. Therefore, fasting is actually more pleasurable for us than eating. So fascinating. And it just, this brings it all together. Why Asar B'Tevis is, in a way, the most central of all the Tanaisim, the most relevant to us. As a tainus, which means it's a tainus that if we fast and we appreciate what it, sta- what it stands for, it can actually literally accomplish something major. It can cause to sway the Bezdin Shalmayla. And that was what Asar B'tavis always was. Asar B'tavis was when the Bezdin Shalmayla uh, convened, but it was also the time when Klai Yisrael was given that final chance. Are you going to do something about this or not? The Shechina left, but the Shechina is waiting it out. It's waiting for you to do tshuva. So the Sarbatevis was always that zman that HaKadosh Baruch said, the full potential for Kharbat just happened. What are you going to do about it now? Are you going to do anything about it or now? And then, Shiva, then Shavasa Sabatam is, is when it, it's finalized. And then Tishabav is when it just it plays out. But, but the, the point of in history when something can be done is a Sarbatevis. And that, according to Chazam Sefer, happens every year. And we have that opportunity every year to try to do tshuva and to do something special on Asar B'tavis so as to see if we can sway a Kaj decision that this year will be a different year and Mashiach Sakana will come.